0: Well, good morning, Eastridge Church family. I'm so excited to be here on our second week of Advent series. Uh, Last week, Gary talked about unwrapping the gift of hope. Uh, And if you were not here and if you have not heard this message, I am going to strongly encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was fantastic. So today we are going to, we lit um, two candles. One candle was already lit and it was the hope candle. And then we lit the peace candle. Uh, And so this week, we're going to be talking about peace. Anyone out there could use a little bit more peace in their lives? Anyone? Yes, thank you. Yes and amen is the answer to that question, guys. Um, Now, all four weeks of Advent are building up to and preparing us for something. Uh, We are supposed to slow down and really get to the point where we can celebrate when the God of the universe, the light of the world, the Word Himself became flesh and came to dwell among us and to to fulfill all the long-awaited promises. You see, Advent is the beginning of the liturgical church calendar, and it's a season, like I said, where we slow down. I feel like I need to say that repeatedly. We need to slow down in anticipation and longing. It's not only looking back to the first coming of Jesus, but it's looking expectantly to when he is coming again. Because you and I right now, we live in the tension of the already and not yet. We know that Jesus came to bring the hope and the peace and the joy and the love, but we look around in our world and even in our lives and we think, it had not yet fully come, (laughs) right? And so Advent is about living in that tension we know that the gospel light has come into the world and we know that it is wrecking the darkness wherever it goes so now for the four weeks coming up to christmas we sit in the not yetness and we really feel we feel it so that when christmas day comes we can celebrate God's amazing rescue plan and that it was launched at the birth of his son and it will culminate at his return. That's what Advent is about. Slowing down, sitting in the tension, feeling the darkness so that we can celebrate the light. Now, it's funny because our expectations around this season are very high right? We want our friends and family, we want to have some memorable moments up in here, right? We want to sit in front of the fire with the mantle decked out, you know, the stockings hung by the chimney with care. That's what we want to do. We want everyone in our family to be at peace, just kind of get along for heaven's sakes. Like we think this is the season where all of that should happen. But often, it doesn't quite turn out that way. I had some friends when their kids were little, Uh, They decided they were going to make some Christmas memories. And so they were going to take the fam, all four of their young children, to the Christmas tree farm. They were going to choose and cut down a tree. It was going to be awesome. And everyone was pumped until they got to the farm. Then the kids, the boys, started like fist fighting. They started complaining, it's cold, I'm bored, he's looking at me, she won't stop, that tree's ugly. Like they just kept on and on and on until my friend Tracy just finally went, whatever, that tree, cut it down. They had it bundled, put on top of their Ford Expedition, and they left the Christmas tree farm. But Catherine, wanting to remedy the day, because this was supposed to be fun for heaven's sakes, Catherine says, you know what, let's let's do some other fun things. So they go to lunch, they go to ice cream, they do some Christmas tootling, they look for lights. And then when everyone was utterly exhausted, they're heading home. And Tracy's driving the car, and he is just, he's enjoying that everyone's asleep. There's a little peace right now. And he decided there was one. Um, Aaron that he forgot to run that week. And so he's going to run this Aaron real, real quick. He's going to take the car through the car wash. So everyone's asleep. Tracy is, he goes into the automatic car wash and you know what? He just sits back and like, and is enjoying the moment that nobody else is talking. It's glorious until he opens his eyes and pine needles are raining down the windshield. (laughs) Now, I don't know what he yelled at that moment, but uh, chaos ensued and everyone in the car, all four children and the two adults were either crying or screaming by the end of all of it. It was not a peaceful Christmas family outing. But this lack of peace really shouldn't surprise us. Remember how Christmas arrived 2,000 years ago. By all accounts, it was not a silent night. Mary was an unwed pregnant girl, which was grounds for death at that time. A hostile occupying government forced she and her fiance Joseph into an overcrowded city away from her home. And she had to give birth to her firstborn son in a cattle barn with no mama and no midwife to help her the world-altering announcement came to uneducated, roughneck shepherds who were absolutely terrified when the night sky lit up with angels singing this strange message. Why did it come to them? They were social nobodies. Who would ever believe their story? And for some Bethlehem families, there was no announcement, only terrified screams, Smashed doors, wild-eyed Roman soldiers, the glint of steel, and precious, innocent lives snuffed out. This was the first Christmas. Hadn't Isaiah prophesied the prince of peace? Hadn't the angels said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace? Sometimes. In our world and in our lives, it seems as if the darkness is winning. And if not for the season of Advent, when we acknowledge the darkness of this undone world, but we know and we trust and we prepare to celebrate that the light has come and the light is overcoming the darkness, if not for the season of Advent, you and I might become jaded. We can either pretend that the darkness doesn't exist like this guy. (laughs) This is fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) Or we can become sarcastic and cynical and come to expect the bad. Something bad happens and we find ourselves saying, of course. Of course that's happening. That's just my luck. And both responses do damage to our soul. Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. I remember reading a famous poem that was written and published. The Christmas after World War I. It was writer Thomas Hardy's sarcastic and cynical response to Christianity. After the atrocities of the First World War. It was entitled Christmas 1924. And it reads. Peace upon earth was said. We sing it and pay a million priests to bring it. After 2,000 years of mass, we've got as far as poison gas. And you and I can balk at the cutting sarcasm of this message, but this is how elusive peace sometimes feels. Current statistics say that 31% of Americans struggle with frequent worry, and anxiety that they can't silence. It's about 30 of us in this room. So where is peace to be found? How can you and I truly be at peace in this often beautiful but dark and broken world? First, we need to remember that peace is not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. Peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. It turns out that God's promise of peace is not a promise that there's not going to be any darkness, any pain, any violence, any disappointment, any hardship or natural disaster. That's not the promise. That's coming when we're in heaven, but that's not the promise for here on earth. Sadly, all of that is part of the fallen world that we are journeying through. But the promise is his presence in the midst of whatever circumstance. It's his presence. The scripture Holly just read was a prophecy given by Isaiah to a people who were defeated, uprooted, and exiled. And here's what the promise said. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light Will shine. How is that going to happen, you may ask? For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Do you see it? His presence is the peace. That's how it happens. The blessing that we sing from the book of Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you peace. That was a blessing that the high priest Aaron would say over the nation of Israel before they went into battle. Now, if peace means the absence of outward conflict, that doesn't make any sense. But it doesn't mean that. The promise is, I'll be with you. I'm going to go with you. You're going into some hard stuff, and God knows it. He knows what's coming around the corner for all of us. But his promise is that he's with us. The Hebrew word shalom and the Greek word irene mean a completeness, a wholeness, an okayness, if you will, no matter the circumstances of life. Because we know, don't always feel, we know that the Lord is present with us and He is for us. Look at this scripture. Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace. What are those next two words? <laughs> Say it louder for those in the back. Yes, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, guess what? You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome. The world. Did you know in the Bible, scripture says, God says, do not fear, do not be afraid, peace be with you, all of this, some iteration of that. He says it 365 times. Once for every day of the year, it's almost like it was on purpose. (laughs) Like he knew that we would need it, right? And the way that he says it, he doesn't just say, hey, 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 toughen up for heaven's sakes. Stop stop that being scared. Stop being anxious. Cuz I said so. It's not what he says. Every time he says, "Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Be anxious for nothing." He attaches a promise to it. And the promise says, "For I am with you." There's a reason We're not going to be afraid. He gives us a reason. He doesn't just say, because I said so, like some of us as parents have said before. But he says, because I'm with you. Here's the reason. Here's the logic. Let's look at this um, next scripture. Well, first of all, let me tell you, you and I cannot provide for our own peace. We cannot provide for our own peace. His peace is a gift that comes with his presence. Look at what he says. I am leaving you with a gift. So bad news, I'm leaving. Good news, you get a gift. Fantastic. Peace of mind and heart. And look at this part. I want you to focus. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Again, you and I cannot provide our own peace. We try though, don't we? Through success, Through security, we think if we just have enough money in the bank more, at least more money than month, or if uh, our, our marriage was pulled together, our children's behavior, our health, the person in the White House, if we just had those things, then we would be at peace. It's just not true. No presidential candidate, no amount of money, no perfect job, no perfect kids, no perfect spouse can give us true and lasting peace. This kind of peace is fleeting. It can be taken away by an economic downturn, a lost job, a natural disaster, a distressing diagnosis, an impossible phone call. And in his kindness and his clarity, Jesus says, my peace, the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't seek it there. Don't seek it in the world. It can't give it. Not only it doesn't want to, it cannot give you peace. Seek me, Jesus says. Seek my presence, Jesus says. Peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. So make time and space in your day to come and bring him the parts of your life that are swirling, the parts that there's unrest, the parts that keep you up at night. Make time and space in your day to give them to him so that you can get his presence and his peace. The second thing we should remember in order to be at peace is that Jesus is your Prince of Peace. We hear that Jesus is the prince of peace. Ah, like he's the prince of peace, right? But it's hard to apply that personally. But I want you to know, he knows and he cares about you. He knows and he cares about your struggles about your temptations, about your heartaches, about your disappointments, about your hopes and about your dreams. He knows and he cares. He longs to bring you peace, peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. Look at these scriptures. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Jesus, it's a gift, gives you peace with God. That's amazing. Next. I love this scripture. Y'all, we need to memorize this one. Isaiah 26 says, you keep him, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed, or another version says, fixed on you because he trusts in you. Jesus gives you peace within. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, which was crazy train when that happened. That that was crazy train. But he united them in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Jesus gives you peace. He gives you the wherewithal to bring peace to others to your relationship with others. Remember the story of the disciples in the boat when a sudden and they thought fatal storm shows up? Like it is crazy. Weather and waves are raging ships being tossed around like a toy. They're taking on water. Everybody is freaked out. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat on a cushion. It's the only place in Scripture where we see Jesus asleep. And I think there's a point here. Listen to me. The Prince of Peace is not rattled by our storms. He is not rattled by your storm. He is at peace, even in the most devastating circumstances. We need to remember this. Now back to the story. Now all of these seasoned fishermen, they are not at peace. They are in freak out mode, right? And I don't know how long uh, they tried to take care of business themselves, but finally someone decides, oh, maybe we wake up the God of the universe. They, They wake Jesus up. Jesus stands up and commands the weather and the waves to stop it. He says to the elements, peace, be still. And this is not, A sweet little request. In the Greek, this is an imperative noun. This is the rightful king and the absolute authority over every molecule in the universe telling matter, you must do as I say. And it didn't talk back either because the scriptures say that the wind and the waves ceased immediately. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him. This is your prince of peace. This is your prince of peace in your life, in your storms, in your unrest, in your can't sleep at night, anxiety, in that relationship, in that work situation, that financial impossibility. He is your prince of peace. He cares about the things that rob you of the peace he paid for. He cares. Years ago, I was on staff at another church. And as I was directing our big summer camp, the middle school-aged kids of another staff member were caught doing something they shouldn't. They admitted to it, and they were disciplined per the camp guidelines that every parent signs before camp. But the parents of those students were furious with me. They not only left camp that night, but they contacted the elders of the church and others in the church to rally and try and get me fired. Y'all, I was devastated. I was angry. I was hurt. And I rehearsed the events of camp over and over and over. My mind would not stop spinning on it. For weeks, I met with the elders. They met with the elders. Other camp counselors met with the elders. Everything was handled very biblically, but I was a wreck. It robbed me of my peace. I couldn't sleep. It made me question my judgment. It made me question my calling to ministry. It made me question who I could trust. Maybe I should just quit. This is getting too crazy, train. Utter lack of peace. I have to admit, I prayed some pretty self-righteous prayers at first. I knew that the day would come when the elders wanted all of us in a room. And buddy, I was going to be prepared. I had my facts. I had my reasons. I had my defenses. I had people there to corroborate with me. I had it all lined up. I was not at peace, but I could definitely defend myself. But the more I came to the Lord with this area of anxiety, the more that I aligned with his perspective, the more that I felt I should not defend myself, that I should just pray and show up and allow his presence to not only be my defense, but my peace. And on the day that I sat across the table from them, no notes, no reasons, no facts, no defense. And I listened to all that they had to say against me. I cannot fully explain it. But I can tell you that my Prince of Peace, (laughs) he showed up to that very hard meeting with me. And though I did not know if I was going to walk out of that room with a job or not, My spinning thoughts were quieted. And a peace that I felt down to my bones held me fast. Just like with the disciples peace, be still. It was not a fairy tale ending, but I learned something life changing through that experience. Jesus really does care he really does listen he really does exchange our anxiety with a palpable peace and when we come to him it's so easy for him because he is our prince of peace He doesn't always fix the situation, guys. That's not his promise. But he fixes us in the midst of the situation. Does that make sense? So peace is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone. Jesus is your Prince of Peace. And lastly, until he comes again you are his instrument of peace. Saint Francis of Assisi famous his famous prayer begins, Lord make me an instrument of your peace. Y'all look around at our world. We need to pray this more often for ourselves. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace in my home, at my workplace, on the ball field, on the Facebook, wherever make Me, an instrument of your peace. You know those people who bring peace into every situation? Like your first phone call when an emergency happens. Like these are people who step into a room and they bring the peace. They're not rattled. They know what to do. They're thinking clearly. They encourage everyone in the midst of it. Do you know those people? Not if you know those people. You know anyone like that? That is supernatural. That is supernatural. And guess what? Each of us who have the Holy Spirit living in us, we're to be that. We are to be that. We're to be peace bringers. We're to be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And James follows up with this. And those who are peacemakers, listen, they do something. They don't just sit around on their peace, right? They do something. The peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Y'all, that's awesome. That is awesome. As we align our lives with him and we receive his peace, we don't just sit on it all peaceful and stuff, right? We don't do that. We don't just receive to get fat on peace, right? We do something with it. We step into the darkness. We step into the chaos of other people's lives and we bring peace. We bring light. That is what you and I as Christ's followers are called to be. But he doesn't leave us out in the dark to do it. He gives it to us. And then we be that wherever we are. Back to the very first Christmas. Remember how unpeaceful it was? We journey through the darkness of Advent so that we can experience the deeper peace of Christmas. It's not a fleeting peace. It's not a peace that is wishy-washy and ebbs and flows according to circumstance. But a peace that is rooted in hope, holding on to the promises of God even when they seem distant or impossible It's a knowing. It's the peace of Mary, who after receiving an impossible calling, she cried out in song as she proclaimed, in the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. It's the peace of those shepherds who even in their shock, who even knowing that they are social nobodies, nobody's going to listen to them, they go searching for this Savior. And when they find Him, they can't help but tell everybody about Him. It's the peace, even through the deep ache of loss, that knows God hears their cries, that He cares, that death will not have the final say. Because, God with us, that baby who was born on Christmas morning, he came himself to suffer and to die and to be raised again to conquer death itself and give you and I ultimate peace. That is Christmas with the Prince of Peace. So what areas in your life are causing you worry or anxiety? What does your mind spin on and you have a hard time stopping it? We need to name it and bring it to our Prince of Peace. Is it a relationship? Is it finances? Is it a wayward child? Is it a difficult decision? Is it health? Name it and bring it to him. and he exchanges it for his peace. We name it, we bring it and he exchanges it. He's faithful to do it every time. If we don't name it, if we just come to him and it's like, "Oh Lord, I'm feeling, it. I'm not feeling it. It's like, what are you gonna do? We name it. God, it's this impossible financial situation. God, it's my daughter who's not saved. God, it's this thing at work. It's I'm about to lose my job. We come to him. We name it. We give it. And we get exchanged. It's the best deal in the world. C.S. Lewis once said, I love this quote, once in our world, a stable had something that was bigger in it than the whole world. Once in our world, a stable had something that was bigger than the whole world in it. That's our Prince of Peace. And why I'm saying this is because he can handle whatever you got. He's bigger. Name it, bring it, exchange it. Gary's going to come back up and then we're going to sing another song to give us all a time to respond to the Lord. You respond where you are. This altar is always open. If you want to grab someone to pray with you, Gary and I will be around. We can pray with you. But don't leave this place without the peace that he paid for already. Name it. Bring it. Exchange it. Let's pray. God, we're in awe of the gift. Lord, we can have all the things in the world, but if we don't have peace, we're nothing. We're, we're a wreck. And so, God, I praise you for your plan. I praise you that you long to give us peace in all areas with our life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that He came. To give us peace. Our prince of peace. That he knows and he cares. He listens. Scripture says he bends down to listen when we pray. Thank you, Lord. God be glorified in the next couple of moments. As you exchange your amazing peace for our burdens. We love you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy and powerful name we pray. Amen.